great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Coming at you on a Friday. Happy to have you with me this morning, everybody. Missed y'all yesterday, but it is Friday, which means it is a... Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Give me all you got Friday. We got Gus Cattengill coming up in just a few minutes. Talk little Pels, Saints, college hoops as well with him. We will visit with Brad Topham in the 8 o'clock hour about college baseball, both UL and LSU, talk a little softball as well. Uh, UL golf coach Theo Sliman will join me um, later on after I visit with Gus uh, this hour to talk a little bit about what's happening at Oak Barn on Friday, the 37th annual Louisiana Classics. We'll have open phone lines in the 8 o'clock hour. See, I, I wasn't in here yesterday, and I didn't get to basically ask the question out loud to all of you what I asked myself on Wednesday afternoon, which is what the hell were the Washington commanders thinking? They traded for Carson Wentz. The Colts were trying to give him away. You ever see a garage sale? Side of the road, neighborhood, suburban, wherever. You go to a garage sale... And you'll see things, prices marked up, and maybe you see, maybe you see an old VHS special edition, two videos in one box, Citizen Kane, critically acclaimed as the greatest film of all time. And at one point, it maybe it comes with a little booklet too. And at one point in time, when that thing was purchased in the 80s, it was worth something. Now at a garage sale, it's like, eh, this thing, this thing used to cost a lot of money. They really think they're going to get $10 for this? Really? It's a VHS. Maybe that's not even fair. Call it a DVD. Call it a Blu-ray. I don't care. Thing is, you go back to that garage sale two days later when it's closing up, and it's out there with everything else in a pile. Basically, take what you want because it's going in the garbage. And you see that old, and this is a knock on Citizen Kane. I mean, it is, you know, Rosebud. Spoiler alert, uh, it was his, um, you know, little sled that he liked to play around in the snow when he was a kid. I'm not here to spoil Citizen Kane. Many of you have either seen it or are never going to see it anyway. The point is that piece of history that old double vhs that came with a special booklet or dvd or whatever you want to call it laser disc it ain't worth anything anymore they're trying to give it away the commanders just went over to the Colts and they said oh ten dollars how about we give you 20 wow look at this it's got a special booklet with it too the fact that frank wright the head coach of the Colts was ready to see Carson Wentz go. 
Like, Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback, and he's been bad for a couple of years. He was good in 2017 before he got hurt. He was. He was good. Last four seasons, he has not been good. This is the commanders sitting around doing what they do, making poor decisions. I mean, honestly, what what were they thinking? At some point, the Colts were just going to move on, and now... Washington's like, here's your $28 million, Carson. Good luck. Help us out here. I mean, Taylor Heineke was 7-8 and last year. He wasn't lighting the world on fire, but he's going to do better than Carson Wentz, who, by the way, is probably going to get injured on that surface. I mean, I hate to say it. He does have an injury history. And Wentz had his moments last year. He had his moments where you're like, oh, there it is. Everyone has their moments. But moments are not a large sample size. Look at the last four seasons. What you see is what you get. That's what they're doing. Oh, new system. New system? Yes, new system. But he's going from the Colts and Frank Reich, who has a history of being really good with quarterbacks, including used to be with Carson Wentz. And now you're going to Washington, where they have had lots of different quarterbacks for many years. I do believe in a quarterback struggling in one place, having success in another. I do. There are examples of it. It has to do with fit. It has to do with culture. It has to do with who the quarterback coach is, the OC, the head coach, all of it. Wentz just went to a worse situation, so you just made a bad quarterback even worse, and you gave up something for it? You're going to go ahead, find an old VHS, put in one of those old Citizen K tapes, and realize you know what, this is really old. The tracking's off. I can't even really watch this. Why did that just download it? Yeah, it may not have the special features, but guess what? It just cost me a couple of bucks. It's going to do its job. And it's kind of old, and it's kind of out of touch, and, you know, whatever. Much respect to Citizen Kane, the critically acclaimed best film of all time. Rosebud. Rosebud. Ron Rivera is going to be waking up saying, what the hell were we thinking? All right, that's it for the opening segment of the Great Scott Show. Didn't think I was going to open with Rosebud and Citizen Kane, but hey, shout out Orson Welles, right? Coming up, give me all you got on a Friday. Gus Cattengale going to join me, Saints and Pelicans correspondent right here on the show. We'll talk about uh, college hoops that time of year. We'll talk a little later uh, in the 8 o'clock hour about LSU from the SEC tournament. We will talk about March Madness. We'll dig into some college baseball and softball in the 8 o'clock hour. The Pels, right when you get nice things, oh, Brandon Ingram's going to be out for a little while and you're not going to win because you don't have your best player. We'll dig into that with Gus and more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. We'll be right back right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Expectorants, y'all don't see a suit saying 
not a player, but I'm sayer extreme. Burn like fire when I step on the scene. I got so. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a big skin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. All you trackies and TV addicts. Don't mean to this, don't mean to bring static. All you clingers in your grandma's house. Grab your back street friend to get loud. Bullet doors off inches. Grab it with the pinches. And no, I didn't retire. Welcome back into the Grave Scott Show. It's a gimme all you got Friday. Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, joins me now. And um, first off, Gus, good morning, man. Welcome to the weekend. And you know, here we are in March. Next week at this time, you know, they'll have already played a, a day of games. But that NCAA tournament, man, uh, March Madness. This is th- this conversation gets brought up a lot as far as like the best month on the sports calendar. Now, anyone, I, I don't, March isn't the first thing that comes out of my mouth. But anyone that does say March, they're just saying it because of March Madness. But there, there's something to it because it's like it's that big of a deal, man. The bracket's that big. It's like it's iconic. It's You see a bracket, it doesn't matter what it is, you automatically think college basketball. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, it's crazy. I was, um, you know, in Fort Worth on Monday night when I had gotten there and the Tulane women's basketball team was playing Tuesday and they had already started. I had a first-round buys. We're watching – you know, the highlights of the day on the flight there. I'm watching two buzzer beaters by two schools go back and forth in the overtime and then a half-court shot to win it. You know, it's just it's just crazy. It's always this time of the year where you just see stuff like that. I was talking to one of the coaches. I was like, well, why is it that this time of the year is something like this? Why, why do you always see buzzer beaters or, you know, things like that? I just saw the Cajun highlights this week. Just It's crazy when you think of um, – how it goes, what's improbable, and really where you, you, you make your name and, and things of that nature, man. It's um, it's fun. I, I, I enjoy it, and it, it's actually why I always bring up this time of the year when it comes to the college football playoffs. You know, I mean, a couple weeks ago when they decided to, sh- you know, to shelve it and table it and not do it, and, you know, I like, get calls or people would say, oh, this is where it needs to be. I'm like, okay, but – do you watch Martin Madden? Oh, I love it. I, why do you like it? Because anyone can win. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want that in football? I mean, I, I just, I like, that. that's what makes the beauty of it. At the end of the day, when we fill out our brackets and get everything done, it's got to likely be, um, you know, Blue Blood. It'll likely be a name that we know. It, it'll likely be one of those situations. But um, there's always that chance. And I think that's what I like about it. There's a chance it can happen. There's a chance for an upset or, you know, a team gets pushed to have to try to win it, you know, late in the game. And then those guys show their greatness. And I, I, I enjoy it, man. And um, I can't wait. I'm, I'm ready. How many brackets do you fill, by the way? I, I usually just fill out one. I mean, look, when I was younger, I'd fill out like five, but I can't do that anymore. I'm, you know, <laughs> I just give me, Give me one bracket. Uh, they're all doomed to fail, let's be honest, every single one of them. So, 
let me just fill out one and, and try to have it be a little better than the competition in the office. And if not, you just say, oh, it's all just luck. And if it is, they'll tell you the same thing. But, you know, the, part of the beauty of it is you're saying, you know, it probably won't be, you know, an underdog, probably not that wins at all, but like there will be some upsets. And the beauty of the bracket of the tournament is it's like for a lot of schools, the win is just getting there. For other schools, if you lose in the Sweet 16, not not all schools, but for a lot of schools, right? If you lose in the Sweet 16, in the moment, it's not cool. It sucks. But you look at it overall and you say, man, that was what, – what a successful – holy cow, run to the Sweet 16. So it's it's not just a, well, if you cut down the nets and you're the national champion, everyone else failed. And that's not the case. For some, for some schools with gigantic expectations, right? But for a lot of them, the beauty of the tournament is just – there are a lot of winners in it, even though, you know, uh, 67 teams will lose a game at some point in March Madness. Only one team's not going to lose a game when the bracket starts being played. Yeah, no, totally. And you're right. I mean, it's all about expectation levels and stuff. And look, in the game's changed, you know, I mean, um, I, you know, it's funny. My, my kid on Thursday had that, you know, 100 days thing where you, you act like you're old and all this other stuff and I feel like the funny duddy when and I'm the old timer now when I'm like I remember when Duke had Leitner and all you know Kentucky had Mashburn and you know Georgetown you know and you know morning I remember all of that but I you know what was great about that time is you, you knew those teams as teams and, and look it, it is it's a different game it, you don't know um, what are these teams are going to go from year to year? You know, um, these guys don't stay uh, long, and, and these teams change so much. You had to transfer with one and done. You know, it really, honestly, is a different season every year. And I, and I know what I know. What I'm saying, of course, it's a different season every year. But what I'm saying is, you would have um, teams that you could predict, hey, well, the next couple of years, these teams are going to be good. Kind of like you do with college football, right? Like, I know Bryce Young's going to be there for a season or two more and, and where they're going to be in football because it's three years and stuff. So it, it is kind of good and bad. It's good in that you honestly don't know a lot of times from time to time. Gonzaga's back at it again, though. Um, Baylor's back at it again. So you can kind of sort of see these programs are, you know, kind of Taking over, perhaps. Maybe Duke and UNC aren't as strong as they used to be back in the day. So um, it, it's still, like I said, it's always an interesting time of the year. And uh, there's no doubt you'll watch, right? No question. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Kangel, our guest. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. For those listening on the stream, that is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Well, you talk about the bracket, it was 64 forever, then it was 65, then it was 68 with, they said play, and no, we're going to call it first four. Okay, if you want to call it play, and whatever. Speaking of play, in the NBA now, you have a quote play, in right? Say so seed seven through 10 in each conference, they got to play their way into the postseason. And when it comes to the Pelicans, they're in that 10 spot, but it looked like they were going to maybe move up and all was well. They're blowing out teams. Then they drop a game last Sunday to Denver. If they hit their free throws, they win. But they lose in overtime. But they're still looking really strong. Then Brandon Ingram 
hamstring out. They get rolled by Memphis, one of the best teams in the league. Ingram's still out. Wednesday night, they're sleepwalking against Orlando. They wake up, but it's too late. They lose that one, a bad loss. Right when the schedule lightens up, Gus, Brandon Ingram's hurt. They're going to reevaluate him, you know, uh, in, in a week. And the reality is this team is, what, 2-15 and 15 this year when he doesn't play? I mean, I, I know that Zion draws a lot of the headlines to the national attention, and it's, it is good that he is back in New Orleans and that he didn't need another surgery to this point. All that's fine. But as far as the current state of the team and the way they were playing, Brandon Ingram, we've said it, face of the franchise. That's who they're looking up to. He's the guy. Without him, they were a really bad basketball team. No disrespect to guys like Herb Jones, who's an incredible defender, or C.J. McCollum, who's a great scorer. But to you know, to, to say that they're even an average team without Brandon Ingram would be a lie. They're not. I mean, when you're missing your best player, it happens. We, we, should, we should have known, right, as people that have followed this franchise since they were the New Orleans Hornets and moved to New Orleans in 02. We should have known when things were going really well for about a week, we should have known, okay, something... Some, Something bad's about to happen. And I get it's not season ending. And I'm and, and, and I, I still think the Bells have a great shot to sort of be in the in the play in, albeit maybe as a ten. But gosh, man, it's it's just a reminder for the Pelicans. Anytime you think it's going well, just tread lightly. You know, I, I think what's crazy is it it just is like can can you not have nice things? You know, like that, that phrase just kept popping in my Yeah. Head. I mean, the culture is still good. Willie Green, like everything, the future is still uh, bright. I'm not I'm not trying to say that like, oh, well, you know, in, in, in looking ahead to next season and beyond, they're doomed. I'm just looking at the current, right? At, at least in the current, it's like, really? Now Ingram's just going to be out and they're going to reevaluate him in like, you know, seven to ten days. Like, really? Like, of course, really. That's just what happens with right. this team, right? It's oh, not. It's not the last guy on the bench. It's the best player on the team. I, the, the only thing that – I guess there's two things, right, um, when you were saying that, that really stood out to me. And it's kind of what my topic was on Thursday because, obviously, look, you bummed out Wednesday when you see that take place, and two things happen. A, thank goodness for the play-in game, right? I mean, honestly, and this, this is why the NBA wanted to do it. I think it was smart. And, again, it's – you know, we talked about it last week, Scott, with in relations to baseball and – how they're not getting it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's tough for the viewers in 10 million. You know, you're, you're trying to attract, which is why they're trying to get it to 12 to 14 teams because, you know, again, my cubbies, right? I, they're more than likely going to be out of it by May. But if there's a chance in August, a chance in September, where if they win the next two out of the three series, they can be in the play-in, you know, postseason game, then, I'm I'm still watching. I guess is what I'm getting at. And it, it, in reality, we're we're rooting and watching a team just to try to be the tenth best team, right? I mean, and, and try to stay alive. But but what because of that though? What happened Thursday? Like you woke up Thursday morning, you bummed that you lost, and you shouldn't have lost to to, to Orlando. But what happens in Houston? The Lakers lose to the worst team in basketball in overtime when LeBron has a triple-double and Westbrook scores 30, and they lose. What happens? Um, the Trailblazers get smoked in Utah. I mean, it's like you, 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 
you end that game and you're bummed and you're like, this is going to cost me. And then the night ends and you go, nothing changed. Now the Spurs are, I mean, look, you know, that's going to be the team that's going to probably keep you from the spot, right? And you get to face them twice. So I've been saying on my show, Scott, there's a gauntlet. And it's March 26th through April 7th. In that span, you're facing the Spurs twice, the Lakers twice, the Blazers are in there, um, Clippers are in there. So all of the teams that are literally above and below you by one or two, you will face in that stretch. That's when you're going to find out if you're in the tournament or not. It literally is that simple. I mean, Memphis and Golden State are the last two games, whatever. But before those last two and starting the 26th against San Antonio, you you now, to me at this point, you have to beat the Spurs the next two games. Like, you, you can't not, not beat them the next two games. So those two, you got to win. I think you got to split with the Lakers at least. And you may have the shot to finish off the Blazers. But it's crazy. Wednesday takes place. You're bummed. The night ends. And, and, and I guess what you take out of it is it's crazy that you had teams that were at the bottom of the NBA beat teams that were at the top of the league or in the playoff stand. It's crazy. Just hang on. But once you get Ingram back, things you feel like can get back to what you were starting to see. Um, I, I, I stand by Zion's not going to play this year. He was back in New Orleans this past week. Pictures of him at church, walking his dogs, kind of Zion all over the place. And he is officially going to, uh, going to be with the team, um, you know, moving forward whenever they're at home, uh, per Willie Green. So expect to see him there tonight when they play the Charlotte Hornets and maybe he'll talk, maybe we'll get to hear from him, but uh, the fact that he doesn't need another surgery is a positive. I still don't think we're going to see him play this year, Gus. I mean, you've got, you know, a little over a month left in the se- in the regular season. I think the the last day of the regular season is April tenth, right? So we're we're let we're yeah about a month out, right, give or take. So I, I don't I don't think we're going to see Zion this year at this point. It it would seem odd, but you know what? I mean, people keep asking me. I keep saying, no, where are you at with Zion? I know this is kind of like a broken record week to week, but this week we actually have a little bit more info in that he's back from Portland, he's in New Orleans, and he's officially going to be, you know, according to Willie Green, knock on wood, he's officially going to be with the team, uh, I guess, on the bench this evening. Not playing, obviously, but but with the squad, right. the way Larry Nance has been. Yeah, and, and look, and I think it's important and vital. And, you know, I was talking to one of the coaches on our staff who we were sitting there Monday night, and I know it's two different sports and it's two different, you know, worlds, NBA and, and two-lane basketball. But I asked him, you know, like, can you legitimately benefit from being around a team um, as much as, like, maybe the media and fans make it out to be? Like, can you learn? Can you do that? And he's like, absolutely. I mean, you – you're a part of what that environment is. Because, I mean, I'm, that's what our arguments have been, right, Scott? I mean, that's what mine's been, that, you know, he's missed watching these guys become so close together and, and lump each other into this. And I, I think it will benefit him. Look, Todd came on the show earlier this week, Graffinini voice of the Bells, and he said it. Every game from now on is a playoff game. I mean, that Denver game felt like a playoff game watching it. What's What's troubling is the next two have it. And obviously not having Brandon Ingram 
you know, affects it. Um, that's a ton of scoring that the Pels just don't have the depth in scoring um, when when you don't have Brandon Ingram. But that's that's what this is. These are playoff games. You have to win these games. So they all matter. And you're scoreboard watching. You're doing all those different aspects of it. I, I think it absolutely would benefit them to be there. I mean, I, you know, you know, you look at the calendar and Scott, I mean, the, the season ends on the seventh. That's a Thursday. So that's from yesterday, a month, a month from yesterday, the season ends, right? Four Thursdays. It, if he's ramping up and getting better, I mean, what's to say if you do get in that playing game, you have him. what kind of shape would he be in? Would he help you? Is he a guy that maybe you can envision getting, 12, 15 minutes coming off the bench. I know he didn't care for that the last time, but at that point, is it worth it? Is it not? I don't know. All I know is this. I saw that game Sunday, and you can't tell me not having a guy like Zion would have made a difference in Denver, you know, whether it's having Aaron, LeBron, James, Gordon, um, having to defend him. Maybe you would have gotten a foul or two on him. Maybe the over-extravagant, you know, every single second, it's, you know, an acting job for the Academy Award you know, uh, Jokic having to defend Zion. I just, I, whatever, like, I, you can't tell me you wouldn't have helped in a game like that. So whether it's spot, whether it's situational, whether it's minutes, whether it's not, hey, I, I, I look at it like this. You got a month left in the regular season that you're guaranteed. Keep doing what you're doing. If I can get you in the last week, I can get you in the last week. At least we'll get a tease at worst for fans what it'll be like to have him on the court with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram and, and things of that nature. So, you know, again, it stinks that B.I. is um, probably going to be out, what, nine more days, seven to nine more days, whatever it is. But what you're hoping for, again, is that he's healthy for that gauntlet. You know, two Saturdays from now is March 26th. That's when I need B.I. healthy. I'd like to have Zion in the rotation by then. I, I just you Stay afloat, you know. Um, until that 26, but the beauty of it is the Pelicans have their destiny in their hands. They're going to literally play twice, the Lakers and the Spurs and the Blazers, I think, once, Scott, in that stretch from March 26 to April 7. So want to be a playoff team? Beat them. And Lane, will. Playing meaningful basketball in March is uh, is beneficial for sure. That is Gus Cagney. You hear him throwing around the dates. Let me remind you guys listening of a date because this Thursday is St. Patrick's Day. And here in Lafayette, we got Patty in the Park, the best St. Patrick's Day party, downtown Lafayette, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Patty in the Park, here's your lineup, guys, okay? You got locals like Clay Cormier and the legend himself, Wayne Toops. And then you got old school, right? My guy, Tone Loke. Tone freaking Loke is performing. Rob Bass is performing. Quad City DJs are performing. It's going to be awesome. Make sure you're there. Get your tickets now, $20 at any Legends location. You can get it in person, or if you want to get them online, eventbrite.com. Get them now, because if you wait till Thursday day of, you can get them, but it'll be $25. So save yourself a little money. Kids 12 and under get in free. Gates open at 5 and uh, music starts at 5.30. It is going to be one heck of a St. Paddy's Day party. You know what else is next week? NFL free agency, officially. We got to talk some Saints football. Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, is on with me right now. We'll take a quick timeout. 
We'll come right back right after this. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Welcome back into the great Scott show. Scott Prather, Gus Cattengill, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. We've talked college hoops nationally. We've talked NBA hoops locally with the Pels. We are going to talk some New Orleans Saints football now with Gus here on a Give Me All You Got Friday here on the great Scott show. Gus, NFL free agency, Saints doing their usual thing to get, um, you know, below the, the, the cap. It's nice that the cap went up 25.7 mil for all 32 teams. Not unexpected, though, considering last year it was down due to the pandemic. Now, you know, a lot of Saints fans, they they got a couple of questions heading into free agency, guys. We'll get into the quarterback situation in a minute and what's unfolded across the NFL this week. Teron Armstead, Marcus Williams. It's feeling more and more like these guys are going to get deals that perhaps the Saints cannot compete with or maybe don't want to I, I think they would love to have both guys back obviously but even at 31 I mean Armstead's going to get a monster deal because when when he plays he's an elite left tackle he's an all pro tackle the Saints obviously have value of Marcus Williams otherwise they wouldn't have franchise tagged him last year in a year where they had to shed a ton of salary because the cap was much lower than it was anticipated to be due to the pandemic are both of those guys gone at this time next week? Are they are they wearing new gear at this time next week when we chat? I think so. I think so, especially when you keep seeing um, a handful of teams that are, you know, what, Miami now? I saw a couple of reports could be interested in Armstead and, and trying to get the Bucks right tackle, I think, as well. So they're trying to go and protect, too. I just... I just think a lot of money is going to be starting to get thrown around. Um, and you just have to make that decision, you know? With Armstead, that, yeah. I mean, I, it, you know, did you want to spend that money, you know? I, I, I was talking to our friend Ralph Malbro earlier this week, and he, he, he was referencing back when Carl Nix signed with the Bucks. Now, Carl Nix was, for a brief period of time, the best guard in football. Jari Evans had a better career than Carl Nix because he was one of the best guards in football for a decade. I mean, Jari Evans is on an all-decade team, right? He, he, could, he could conceivably go into the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a six-time AP All-Pro. Nix was just like first team once, but his best season, he was just a monster. And then he went to Tampa Bay, and he got a big deal. He earned it, but then he earned the deal because, of, you know, NFL contracts a lot of times are based on what you've already done. So he went, he got his deal, and ended up, unfortunately for him, I think he got staph infection. I don't remember. He got hurt and, and didn't really do much in Tampa Bay. And his career ended, and now he's in the Saints Hall of Fame. But whenever he went to Tampa, Saints wanted to bring him back. They just, uh, 
you know, not at that price. The market was just too much for him elsewhere. They signed Ben Grubbs. Grubbs ended up being a pro bowler, and he was, uh, he was, you know, at his peak. He wasn't as good as Knicks at his peak, but he played solid for a few years for the Saints, right? My point is they went, they went to the secondary market. So if those guys are gone, the Saints are going to sign someone to replace them. I don't know that they're looking at some of the UDFAs from last year that had to fill in and say, okay, for sure, this is where we're going here. I don't, I, I, at least ideally, I don't think that's what they would like to do. So they'll have a plan in place. With Marcus Williams being only 26, you know, there's a lot of, tr- there's a lot of rumors out there. And I think Dennis Allen really wants Williams back. I, it just, it's, it's really going to be a matter of can they afford him, and they might not be able to. So if he goes elsewhere, there are a lot of people out there that feel like, oh, well, maybe Teron Matthew is coming back to New Orleans. You know, he liked the tweet of him in Saints gear, and, you know, he's always, he stays back at home all the time in the offseason, and it would make sense, and you can fill a void in a role. And Matthew is older than Williams, I get it, by four years, and he's, you know, been a huge part of Kansas City's success the last couple of years but isn't he going to cost a lot too? Like maybe it's not as long of a deal. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that 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 the Matthew to the Saints thing is is definitely going to happen. I think it would be cool, and I think it'd be good for the team for a a plethora of reasons, Gus. But if they can't afford Marcus Williams, I mean, I I think Matthew is probably going to get some pretty significant offers on the open market, even at thirty years old. Am I off base here? Are you hearing some of these Matthew whispers? Because while it might be cool, either of those guys, Matthew or Williams, I think that's a good thing for a Saints defense that last year proved to be really strong. But I, I think if it becomes a money, uh, you know, a price thing, I think the market's going to be too high for both of them. Yeah, man. Again, it's about that money. You know, it's all about what, what the. Um... The market's going to be, I mean, I look, I, I think it'd be a great story for Bonnie Badger to come in. I think he makes plays. I also think, um, you know, it, it, in those playoff games, like, he he, he, he gave up some plays. So, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I kind of looked at Marcus Williams as a player that at times, man, you can really see that, that ability. And at other times, you kind of just wonder if there is better or not. But when I get in this argument and discussion with people like cover the team that will swear to you, he's a top three safety in the league. And, you know, there's some games where I'm like, I just don't see it. So I don't know. I mean, I, but I'm not a defensive guy. And look, you just go by Dennis Allen. He swears by him. He likes him. Sean Payton cares for him. It's about the money. And I think a lot of it is also going to be determined, Scott, by, by what happens on Monday and Tuesday or Wednesday depending on your quarterback situation. Um, you know, you, you see the trade this week with Carson Wentz to Washington. Well, who's Indy going to get? Is it Garoppolo? Probably. And, Probably. You know, and, and that's the thing. Again, San Francisco wants to move on from me because they don't believe. <laughs> it's, like, it's crazy. I, I saw two reports this week that, well, the Saints could be interested, and, and the trade's eminent, and, and report of the trade could be coming as soon as Friday or, you know, Saturday. And I'm like, oh, man, I, you know, is he better than Winston? I mean, Garoppolo still owed a hundred and something million dollars. Like, well, he's in the, not, not, not that he's in the last year, I think, of his deal, but it is a, it is a big I, he, number. And if you're going to bring in a guy via a trade, if you give, 
if you give up something significant, your plan is to have a more than a single year. So your plan is to probably extend them. And I, I'm not I'm not sold on Jimmy G either. Now I again I'm not as sold on Jameis as a lot of people are. I feel like a lot of signs keep pointing to Jameis just not just because, you know, he wants to and he's been there for a few years, but really kind of through process of elimination, Gus. I mean, you look around the market, I mean, Washington's out there, you know, throwing Seattle every pick imaginable, and they say, oh, well, Seattle didn't want to send him to the NFC. That's that's BS. Seattle Seattle didn't have all the say because Russell Wilson had a no-trade clause, and he ended up in Denver. Um, and, and so Washington decides they're going to trade for Carson Wentz. I mean... Yeesh. You know, if Indy if Indy's going to trade for Jimmy G, it just again the Deshaun Watson thing. There's some legality. There's obviously reasons not to do it, um, but there's talk of maybe Carolina if Deshaun can clear some legal things going after him. I I feel like it's at this point we keep saying a lot of signs point to Jameis. I, I suppose the Saints might trade for Jimmy G, and if they do, I don't. I, I'm not going to be super excited about it. I'll just say that. I'm not going to be super excited if it's Jameis, but I'm not going to hate on it either because it makes sense. I think at this point, it's more of a process um, of elimination, right? At this point, it just feels like, okay, what are your realistic options come next week? And that's why I think Jameis is... And there was talk of maybe Washington looking, you know, at Jameis Winston. Well, that's not the case anymore, right? It's Carson Wentz. So just again, I I think it's probably, again, Jameis, maybe on a one-year deal, an open relationship type of contract where the Saints are saying, we're not fully committed to you. You got to show us a little more before we decide to offer you a ring. No, it's surprising how you went with there because I I do feel there's a lot of Saints fans that that don't... (laughs) They think they they think it's obvious Jameis and no other just, choice, right? What I'm saying is like you, you're basically that's not how they feel about Jameis. Like, I mean, I guess we'll take him. I I just I don't think he's that bad. I I don't either. I don't either. I just don't think the organization, based on a few people I've talked to, are as sold on him as some of the fans right. think they are. No, I I agree with you on that. And what what I find remarkable is this: a lot of it has to do because we had a Hall of Fame quarterback, right? And I also, and this isn't like a you thing or an organization thing, like you're saying those people. I just, I think it's where we are right now. Um, there are literally teams, seven to ten teams, some public, some aren't, some have actually made the moves and decisions to do so, starting last year to this year, where they want to move on from the starting quarterback. But at the same time, like, who's great? Like, you, you have like two or three or four that sort of done it, and then, you start seeing some of these other guys step up, like Herbert and all that, and, and everybody wants those guys. And at the same time, you see a, a trade this week in Russell Wilson with Seattle, who is a good quarterback, yet people were arguing on ESPN that he's not that good of a quarterback. I'm like, are you well, kidding me? What they do I mean, it just, so it's just so. like it is dependent on do you have a line, do you have receivers, do you have a coach, do you have a staff, do you have all those different aspects of it. And I, I just keep looking at – what Jameis Winston had last year. And Jameis Winston opens the game against Green Bay and the opening drive loses his starting center. They wound up winning that game against Green Bay. And then as the season continues, you start seeing that they absolutely overestimated and overvalued the wide receiver position. That is a terrible group. Not just a bad group. I mean, that's that's not even a group that, you know, is going to give you a chance to compete on a lot of days. And, 
the offensive line's a disaster most of the time of the year. You lose Camaro for some games. I mean, like, and, and the guy was still five and two. I'm like, I, 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 he sure is, is light years better than than Taysom and everybody else. I just, I, I don't know. I, I think he's not bad. I, I, I just keep looking at him like the deep balls he delivered when he when he scrambled. I, I think he also had a a mental thing where he was so brainwashed to not turn the ball over, I never saw him play freely. I don't know about you. I, I didn't I very rarely saw him just play. Just make plays, go out there and play. When you did, like I thought in that Jacksonville game, you saw I think his potential and ability. And when I look at what could be available, Mitch Trubisky and some of these other guys, I mean Teddy, stop trying to force feed me Teddy people. Teddy Bridgewater's terrible. Like his ceiling is, um, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you that he's terrible. I think he's, I think oh, he's, I think on. he's a game, he's a game manager. That's I've what wanted he wanted him after the Saints, and they've moved on from him. Not yeah, terrible. I, what, what more do you want, Scott? He's not terrible. I mean, seriously. I mean, I'm just telling you, Carolina and Denver signed him to be their starter. One year later, they've moved on. How have the quarterback situations in general been for both of those franchises, and how's the stability been? I mean, I, I don't. I, I, I'm not – look, if the Saints signed Teddy Bridgewater, I would not be super excited, especially with Sean Payton gone. I'll say that. I would not be like, all right, all is – it would be a stopgap for sure. I just – I don't – I just wouldn't use the word terrible as all. Don't get don't, – don't twist that into me saying that he's an all-pro because that's not what I'm saying. Trust me. So, again, uh, to be clear, I'm not saying go sign Teddy Bridgewater. That is a – if you don't sign okay. anybody – Can I add something? Right. I need to add something. I need to add something. You had Teddy Bridgewater last year. His name was Trevor Simeon. I mean, I guess he's Trevor Simeon. He's go, he's gonna he's gonna read the defense, be a nice leader, try not to turn the ball over, and you're gonna get maybe ten to 13, 17 points max output on your offense. You could you, you had you, Teddy could, you 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 okay, could, let me ask you this. Do worse. Let me ask you this: Taysom Hill or Teddy Tuglow? I would I would rather have Teddy Bridgewater as the starter than Taysom Hill. That's why I said. If if there's nothing else left, again, you, you Jameis over Teddy every day of the week. To be clear, I just I just wouldn't use the word terrible. That's all. I just you said terrible. That's all. I'm just saying it's not terrible. Terrible. Well, I mean, well, let me ask you this: what, what <laughs> who is he beating? I, like I just I mean like I I don't I, I don't know. I I just I watch people again. Don't take my word for it. You had two teams want him. Trade for him or sign him, thinking he could be a starting quarterback, and they wanted to move on from him mid-season. Both teams. Well, one team decided they they thought Sam Darnold would be the guy. Listen, this whole discussion is a reminder of how spoiled teams get when they've got a <laughs> Hall of Fame You're quarterback right. for as long yeah, as they do. Exactly. Like I, that's I why mean, it would drive me nuts. Remarkable the amount of people that were like, "It's time for him to go." And, Right. And, and, I mean, man. The all the noodle, the noodle arm, and all this. this all, 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 all the noodle arm stuff and all the bashing. Every, it would drive me crazy. I'm like, you guys just don't know how good you have it. You just, you don't. Oh, oh no! It was oh. last year, Scott. He couldn't do this or that. I'm like, are you like, look, 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 look what the Saints did when he was there. Good lord! I mean, they won four straight <laughs> NFC South. Time. They won more games over a five year span. Four of which were withdrew in the one he didn't there. They only won nine games out of seventeen. Then everybody except I, I dare, the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I, I dare say, if he plays last year, 
with that line in that offense, they're a playoff team. Probably. I'm not look. They're, they're probably one and done. But yeah, they're they're winning at least one one or two more of those games. I, I that agree. They blew. Yep, exactly. They're winning at least one or two with more that games defense? because they just yeah. man had some bad yeah. quarterback play and it didn't. You know, and again, I, look, it just last year, man, it's so hard to value and judge and rate. I mean, with any team, Scott, when they when they're losing their starting quarterback, it's just going to be brutal. You know, it doesn't matter. You lose your center, your starting linebacker. I mean, your starting quarterback, your top tackles. I mean, the Saints lost so many players, man, that it, it's kind of remarkable they played. They, they won anything at all. It, 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 it's on it. top of it, too. It's like here you are. You sound a little bit more down than you did earlier as far as this team goes. The NFC South looks looks like it's going to be pretty bad. Are you still as confident in the Saints next season as you were a month ago? Because you were like, the future bet, they're winning the South. I mean, I, I have no idea what to expect with this team because it's, it's a whole new era, right? Last year felt like kind of a .5. Like, it's not... New Orleans Saints 2.0, it's kind of like 1.5 from the Peyton Breezer because you still have Peyton. There's still this element of, okay, he can do... Now with Peyton gone and Breeze gone, it just it's it feels like last year was kind of this weird in-between, you know, it's it's like it's like in Stranger Things. If they had something between the upside down and the regular, like they don't, but maybe they will in season four, best show out there. But like... If they had something right there in between, like that's kind of what last season felt like. And I fear we might be heading for the upside down next season. I just don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I'll, I'll give you the last word. Gus Catengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Where are you at? I, I got you. Your confidence sounds a little shaken. Where are you at with the Saints as we head into free agency? Say that again. I was getting out of my car and it broke up a ton. I was saying, I'll give you the last word here as we wrap it up. Like you, uh-huh. you have been confident about the team next oh, yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, that's I like I, 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 I don't know what to expect here. I mean, I'm not expecting Stranger Things season four expectations. It's going to be incredible. I'm expecting yeah, it might be, might be some bad knockoff that just isn't working at all. But you're. Right. Your NFC South, it ain't it ain't all that great. As we approach free agency here and then the draft after that, where are you at with the Saints? And then we'll let you run. All right, so you're asking me if I'm as confident as I have been? I'm yes. more confident. <laughs> I'm more confident. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Tampa's still looking for what they're going to do at, at quarterback. I, I, just don't tr- I just don't trust what Carolina has that leadership and stuff. I mean, I saw reports a couple weeks ago that they make, you know, their sports talk show host, Chris McLean, who comes on um, a ton on our show. He, you know, he he was going over, should they trade Christian McCaffrey? I mean, that's where they are. And yeah, exactly. Atlanta gets a receiver suspended for gambling. So where are they going? Are they going to, you know, go? They're the Falcons. You don't even have to say anything. Just say it's the Falcons. That's I all. just look at it, and I'm like, Scott, I, I, it, it's why I was confident a couple of weeks ago. You have a team in the Saints that is returning talent. And, again, we, we it's not excuses, and I know that's not what you think either. It's just it's reality. When, when you lose the players you do, when you have the injuries that you do, when you have the situations that take place, and this team 
is a Jimmy Garoppolo career drive away from going to the playoffs. I, I don't understand how they, they're not the best team in the division, you know? And I just, I legitimately think even if Tampa gets Jimmy G or Tampa gets another veteran quarterback, who, who are you getting? I mean, Fitzmagic? I mean, what, wait, compared to what you have, which is why I say, you know, it's going to be interesting if, if Jimmy G and, let's say, Winston, and then you don't have those options if you're the Saints. And I still think, again, with better weapons and maybe even a season under him and things of that nature and an offense built behind him, I, I still think even if Taysom Hill was a quarterback, I, I'd give this team a shot. It's it just, look, the big key as well is not only who you're going to see next week become the Saints quarterback, because they'll, they'll make a decision one way, shape, or form um, with free agency. But it's the Alvin Kamara thing. If you're missing him four to six Brutal. weeks. Yeah. That's another does thing. That, does that go into your, your draft thinking? Absolutely. You know, what do you do? What I don't do know you about do that. I don't know if it goes into your draft thinking. It goes into my expectations for next season thinking. But there's so much between now and then, right? I mean, we can say, oh, you're less than 100 days, 80 days out from the first game of the season. Well, there's a lot between now and then, including next week with free agency and then the draft. And that'll begin to form uh, our opinions, you know, more strongly one way or the other. Uh, it's of no opinion. The fact is Gus Cattengale, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, been the best guest, good friend to me, been doing this for, what, 13 years now, coming on 14 years now, coming on the show with me on Fridays. That just means we're getting old, man. But I appreciate you taking the time. Have a great weekend next week. I know it's college basketball galore for you and so many others, but uh, thanks for coming on, talking some college hoops, little Pels and Saints with us as well. Go give Gus a follow on social media at GCAT underscore 17. That's G-K-A-T-T underscore one seven and listen to him on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans, the sports hangover noon to three weekdays. It's as good as it gets. Appreciate you taking the time, my friend, as always, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Scott. All right. So big thanks to Gus for coming on, talking plenty of football in that final segment there. We're going to, before we hit up the break, we're going to talk for a few minutes here, a little bit of golf. We have Louisiana Ragey Cajun golf coach, coach Theo Sliman on. And the 37th annual Louisiana Classics Golf Tournament is starting this Monday over at Oak Barn Country Club. And uh, you can learn more over at RageyCajuns.com. But first off, Coach, good morning. And secondly, uh, what is your favorite Beastie Boys song of all time? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a great introduction, huh? <laughs> I think uh, favorite Beastie Boys um, uh, I like to go with Paul Revere. How about that? I'll take it. Yeah, had a little horse in him. That I think you're the second person that said that one. So that's not bad. That's good yeah. in the wheelhouse. Right. I like it. I like it. What is like, you know, people talk about like athletes listening to something before a game competition to get fired up. What what is like the mindset of a golfer? Like, if do you do you put like some headphones in and like what's the music? Do you just get away? Like, how do you prepare yourself mentally for the course? Yeah, that's a, well, you, you, if you come out like you said to the Louisiana Classics Monday morning, you're going to see 92 college golfers warming up at about seven in the morning, and I would I would anticipate over 50 percent of them would have have headphones in and lord knows in this this day and age what music these kids are listening to uh i know some of it drives me nuts but uh 
I'm a little old school. In this this day and age, what music these kids are listening to, uh, I know some of it drives me nuts, but uh, I'm a little old school. But I'd say you'd listen to they're they're listening to a little music to get kind of get uh, get amped up, get get focused up. They're not listening to uh, you know to white noise to relax them. I can assure you that they're, they're, they have they have their favorite rap artist or favorite country song. Um, playing and and they're certainly listening to a little music to uh to get hype as yeah. they say i'd love to lie to myself and think that they're listening to my show but i i know that wouldn't be true but uh i appreciate you coming on the show here this morning because as you said this monday the uh, 37th annual louisiana classics obviously louisiana raging cajuns uh the lipscomb bisons the michigan wolverines the rice owls so Good competition here. What uh, what do you anticipate here over the next few days? And for maybe some of our listeners that aren't in the know or maybe don't follow golf uh, as closely as perhaps some of the other sports at UL, what can you tell them about what's what's happening here coming up Monday and Tuesday? Absolutely. So thanks for thanks for uh, having us, and and certainly for the listeners uh, and for the fans of Raging Cajuns. Period, or, or just golf fans, come out. Uh, it's out at Oakbourne. Oakbourne will will host it on Monday and Tuesday. Thirty six holes will be competed on Monday, and then eighteen final holes on Tuesday. So Monday, you're looking at an all day affair. Um, these kids will you know show up at seven in the morning. They'll warm up. Shotguns start at eight o'clock. Uh, continuous play throughout the day. Probably looking at about eleven hours of competition on Monday. And uh, you referenced a couple of the teams. We have sixteen total teams competing. Uh, we have five in the top 50 in the nation, which from a ranking standpoint, there's 300 Division I golf programs across the country. So when you're, in, when you're inside the top 100, you know, you're, you're looking at the top third, third of the country. That's some pretty good, pretty good competition. Um, so we have five inside the top 50, and we have 10 inside the, right at the top 100 competing here. So you're going to see some top-shelf golf this field is equivalent to uh, to an ncaa uh, regional field and uh some of those top schools would be you know you referenced a couple but we we have some sec schools uh, we'll be paired with lsu uh in that in that 36 hole day they're ranked 24th in the country we have texas a&m who's 17th in the country and uh, Ole miss who's 15th in the country uh, also participating so we're we're really excited. We're honored to have some of these teams. It's the uh, 37th annual. Uh, it's a big deal. It's a, it's the third longest consecutive running collegiate tournament uh, in the history of history there of Division One college golf, and uh, that's pretty something to be pretty proud of. No, no doubt. It's a big moment for uh, for the program for the area, and admission is free, guys. So if you want to see some good golf, it's uh, it's not the place on, to not be. only is admission free. But we have a, I have a former players, Andrew Noto, Jason Noto, and Malloy Molis. They'll be cooking a pastelaya, probably big enough to feed about 200 people. So come out and get lunch. If, if anything, you could come at the turn, come grab a free lunch, watch. The, the ninth hole is a, is a really awesome golf hole to watch. It's a very challenging par three over water. Um, so it, it, it calls for a good spectator view vantage point there and uh, yeah so it's free the tournament's free admissions free and not only free but what, what kind of sporting events do you go to where you get a free free lunch with it 
Well, I mean, you got to be careful, Coach. Uh, Coach Theo Sliman, I guess. I mean, you're <clears throat> you're talking about free food. You you don't know who's going to show up, but that's uh, a <laughs> we'll that's another him. reason we'll, to be we'll there. Take All right, uh, Coach Theo Sliman has been our guest, Louisiana Ragey Cajun head golf coach. The Louisiana Classics happening this Monday and Tuesday over at the Oak Barn Country Club in the, in Lafayette, and uh, Monday throughout the day and uh, and Tuesday morning, and some great great competition great schools as you mentioned lsu old miss texas a&m lipscomb michigan rice and of course louisiana coach appreciate the time man um i know you'll be preparing for it throughout the weekend but have a great weekend and uh we'll see you out at the we'll see you out on the greens next week you got it thank you very much appreciate the support now here's a little story i got to tell about three bad brothers you know so all well. right guys don't go anywhere the great scott show continues on a friday give me all you got we'll talk with top brad topham about the uh upcoming weekend in baseball we got ul and lsu in action we'll discuss that little softball as well college shoes lsu's game yesterday the sec tournament the bracket who's on the bubble a lot to get into open phone lines later as well at 337-269-1077 don't go anywhere it's the great scott show on a friday give me all you got espn lafayette the best ticket in sports coming to you from the espn lafayette Studios, sponsored by bet rivers go to betrivers.com learn more about the best sports book app in louisiana he told a little story that sounded well rehearsed four days on the run and that he's dying of thirst the brew is in my hand and he was on my tip his voice was hoarse and throw was dry he asked me for a sip he said can i get some i said you can't get none ESPN 1420, KPEL, Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ, Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. E to the S, to the P, to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the 8 o'clock hour, 10 after the hour. I'm Scott Prather. It is the great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. And joining me now, my friend, host of Top's Take, owner of the Jambalaya Shop, color analyst for Raging Cajun Baseball. He's working a little earlier in the booth today than originally scheduled. Raging Cajun Baseball going to have first pitch at 3 today. Cajun softball at 4 due to the uh, weather forecast for this evening. So prepare accordingly. But uh, softball here on ESPN Lafayette Baseball on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Here to talk to us about uh, all that and all kind of stuff is Brad Topham, host of Top's Take. Good morning, Brad. What's going on, man? Good morning, Mr. Prather. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. It's a busy Friday. There's a lot of stuff I haven't even gotten into yet. You know, LSU won in hoops yesterday. Not not unexpected. Now they're you know they're going to face off in Arkansas. Have a chance to actually improve their seed. You got March Madness stuff. But one thing I haven't hit on, and I was waiting to do it with you, is uh, I guess hello Major League Baseball. The players and the owners ratified a new CBA yesterday. They had a lockout that was just short of a hundred days and. 
Now you got opening day set for April 7th. They're still going to play 162 games. They're going to not have as many off days, which I'm sure they're not crazy about. But um, ultimately, were you were you surprised? Were you expecting them to get it done soon? Because it was hard to get, you know, consistent information as these negotiations went on, you know? Well, this will not surprise you. The uh, executive committee, which is eight players, they go from the eight players to the 32 reps, from the 32 reps to the whole group. They, the, the executive committee voted eight to nothing to not approve this plan. And the players told them where to go. Sounds like the NFL, right? Scott, their minimum pay went from starting at 525 to starting at 700. Let me give you a simple example. My man, Andrew Stevenson, he's finished his first three years of, of minimum pay now. He's going into arbitration. Had he started today, it would be like an entire year's salary over that three-year time period. Think about that. For the average player who only plays three years in the league, Scott, that's a take-home check of $450,000. What does that do to his future and his life, you know? So, no, the, uh, the league voted just like the NFL. The majority make the minimum. They saw this. They said, no, move forward. There's a lot of good stuff in this. There is, and the owners finally moved. I'm going to tell you, I don't know if you know this. Do you know what the spur, the biggest reason this thing got done? I don't. Jackie Robinson. It's Jackie Robinson. How? Explain. When they canceled games, well, let me me rephrase that. When they removed games from the schedule, they said the earliest the season could start was April 14th. The entire world on April 15th will mention and or celebrate the 75-year anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Imagine if baseball squabbling over billions and not, or just getting back to spring training and not actually playing games. When you celebrate one of the biggest landmark cultural events that baseball has had, and you're doing it, and you're missing it because you're squabbling over your billions. That would have been god-awful. And there was a lot of people picking up on that. And I really believe that was the impetus for the owners, because the owners did move. Um, the biggest, one of the biggest sticking points, um, you know how the Astros tanked for three years? Which was fair. They actually, I'm not knocking the Astros. They actually went out and didn't spend the money. No longer do you get the first pick. Draft lottery, top six. Um, if you finish top three rookie of the years or pitcher of the year for rookies, you get an automatic year of service. So no more salary manip- uh, service time manipulation by keeping a stud down. You keep him down, he gets top three, you get the year of service anyway, so you might as well bring him up. Stuff like that. Why is it, to me at least, uh, I, but I, I have this opinion for a reason, why is the MLB Players Association consistently have over the years and presently more solidarity than the other player associations, the other unions in American professional sports? Man, if you have a better answer than I do, they're old, and I think they've been through as much, so much. I, I don't really have a good answer. Um, I, I don't really know. What do you have? I, I've never – I mean, I just it, – it, I think a lot of it is sort of where you start. Um And they started out on pretty solid footing early on, and so – 
I, they're, they, look, they got what they wanted in this negotiation. Um, not everything, but they got they got a good bit. You know, um, players. Well, they got they got they took it they took it last time, and that's what this. Honestly, yeah, but a twenty million dollar increase in the competitive balance tax. I mean, it's it's the largest Huge. increase ever um, for for yeah. baseball. So. You know, I I just I don't know. I think it's where you start like a long time ago. They're they're they weren't they haven't had as big of an uphill battle consistently. And I I don't I I don't know as far as like the union goes. I don't know all the intricacies of okay, how do minor leaguers approach it? Do they even say anything? How involved are they? I just think in in the NFL the the minimum salary compared to what the, the the stars make is, you know, so drastic. And you have you know over sixty four percent of the NFL on minimum salary. So like they're they're always going to say we don't want to wait. You know we don't want to drag this out. And it's easy for baseball to say yeah we might miss games. We're going to start a little later. They have plenty of time to make it up. In football you don't have that much time. But you miss games or you miss a season. It's catastrophic financially for those guys. We could go down the list, but I think it's I think for baseball it's sort of it started with really strong leadership in the union like many years ago, and that wasn't the case in football. Um, and uh, as a result, that coupled with just a numbers game, they're going to be stronger. You know, in the NBA, it's it's slightly different, but again, it's it's kind of a numbers game for the players and how we can make up games and just you know, if you miss ten games in a season, it's not going to crush you or your future financially. The minimum salary is much higher. It's just, I think for football, it's it it had weak leadership for a long time with the union. And it also is a numbers game. And so they're always going to be at a disadvantage. Not that Major League Baseball, not that the players are like negotiating from this giant place of power, but I think they wield a little bit of a bigger stick than the other sports. And as a result, it's a little easier to be solidified as a union whenever you have a little bit more power. You know what I mean? Yeah. And on top of that, the players voting, none of them are first-year people. If they're in their first year, they've always spent two or three years in the minors, right? Yeah. In the NFL, these guys are fresh out of college, so they haven't experienced as much, even though their vote counts the same. And I truly believe in baseball, the owners have more animosity because they've had guaranteed contracts for so long. NBA owners don't have the same animosity to the players, and I truly believe, and you tell me if I'm wrong, when Michael Jordan and that dream team exploded, and I mean, was it Robert Sterling? Isn't that the uh, guy from uh, the Clippers? Is that yeah, his name? Uh, the 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 former disgraced yeah. owner, yes, yeah, Don, Don, not yeah. Ronald Donald Sterling, yeah, Donald Sterling. Okay, so he bought the Clippers for twelve million dollars in eighty eight, and by ninety six, that thing was worth a billion dollars, and he won. And they figured out really quick, ooh, it's the players. So I feel like the NBA owners actually feel like they have a partnership because they saw it explode. MLB and NFL. They've been around for so long, I don't know that they see it as a partnership. And I think owners have some animosity because billionaires don't like giving away money, and these players get guaranteed contracts. You're going to really tell me Gene Autry is happy paying Albert Pujols $30 million to go away because he's a good person, but he stinks as a player now? You know, I can't cut him, and Jerry Jones can cut Amari Cooper when he's still very good just to save money? I think there's a lot of animosity, and I think it shows up. But I'm happy, Scott. We'll have baseball by 
you know, early April. ESPN and my Braves can defend their world championship. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Brad Topham, our guest. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick timeout. Brad, before I let you run, man, I just want to get your thoughts on little college baseball happening this week, and if you have a few minutes to hang out, I'd love to uh, to, to kind of pick your brain a little bit about it. What's up, Acadiana? This is Rich Eisen. Check out the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from noon to 3 and get your sports fix right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Brad Topham, our guest, host of Top Stake. Apparently a fan of the late, great Gene Autry, as uh, he referenced in the last segment. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whether it be hits like Back in the Saddle Again or that silver-haired daddy of mine, apparently Top likes uh, Gene Autry. Well, why you got a problem with Gene Autry? I mean, you re- I think I think you referenced him as like this, the owner of the Angels, but you know, What's this, well, who's the owner of the Angels? I don't know. Autry died like twenty some years ago. So it's the guy that, that was like a Billboard millionaire, Arturo Moreno, or something like that. Well, it used to be Autry. Yes, it used okay. to, it used to be it used to be, but um. Well, it tells you how much I follow the Angels. I mean, come on. <laughs> they, just, they just have the if, best player in baseball. If, if Audrey no was alive today, I think he'd be like 115. Uh, but what? look, one of the listeners pointed it out to me. I'm like, yeah, I think I think Gene Autry is dead. Um, no, hey, I, look. It, Walt Disney's alive. Back off. Stop, stop. Now, you probably believe Elvis <laughs> is alive. So I got some I got some bad news for you there, no, Brad. He went home. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Brad Topham. All right. He'll be on the call today. Um, early first pitch time for Rage of Cajun Baseball. And they look, 3 o'clock, you want to play, you want to get it in. You've had two straight games postponed due to rain. So you hadn't played since last weekend. You're back at Russo Park. You're taking on the Houston Cougars, who are, um, you know, I, I think, what are they, 8-4 and four this year last I checked? They're, they're, they're not a bad team, but you think Houston, you think Rice, you traditionally think of these teams being powers they really haven't been as of late. Houston's nine and fours. Let me correct myself there. Uh, they got a midweek win over. Uh, they got midweek wins over Rice and against Southern. But you look at who they played this year. You know, quality wins. They haven't. A couple teams they faced off against that were good, like a TCU. They lost ten nothing at eight innings. What do you anticipate this weekend from Houston? And um, you know, is this a series the Cajuns can or should win? Well. First, to partially defend myself, Gene Autry did own the team from its inception to 99, and Artie Marino owns it now. So I had the Autry part. Arturo. Arturo. <laughs> hey, I, I, thought, Artie, I, I, I think Autry died in 98, but okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, his wife took it over in 99 and sold it to Disney for a few years. That's the Angels in the outfield. Um, look, this weekend, uh, and Scott, I've got the most cliche, boring, dang, coaches speak answer. 
This weekend can't be about the opponents. Got to be about the Cajuns. All right, hey, Matt Deggs told us pregame, I'm not letting them go, pitch count wise. Um, I, just as an example, I watched LSU and Blake Money on Friday night through 100 pitches. I'm not saying good or bad. Some coaches have already turned their guys loose. Deggs didn't. All right. Now, what we saw last Friday was, I think, a winning recipe. And I've seen this many different years with many different clubs. Starter and then tally. And that was it. And you can burn two guys and win on Friday, and they complement each other so well. I think we see that again, hopefully. Uh, Bo Bonds, most effective reliever, is going into the rotation. Scott, I'm very concerned about that. Why? He is Connor Cook. He's Connor Cook. And I'm talking about energy level. He is, um, I looked at his JUCO stats. The guy made two starts in his life and like 30 appearances. Now, his numbers are off the chart. Like last year, 61 Ks, 33 innings. But one start last year, period. He's always been a reliever. Now, granted, in high school, he's a starter. My point is, he's been very effective with that high energy. And look, don't get me wrong. Deggs might be looking at him and go, hey, give me four. Don't give me seven. Give me four. So I want to see how it goes. Um, if you follow our Sunday starter, Jeff Wilson, Jeff came in last year when he threw an inning, inning and a third. He was throwing 91 with a slider, and that's it. He's a starter. He's throwing 87, 88. He'll throw 91 every now and then, but he holds back. I'm curious what Bo Bond looks like when he's not living by – because relievers live by the out. Unless coach says, hey, I need you to throw the rest of the game. Relievers come in to get outs. They don't come in to get innings, if that makes sense. When you're giving innings, you pace yourself. When you're getting outs, you just throw. And his breaking ball is a 12 to 6, and it's nasty and it's violent. I want to see how that plays out. Number two, you heard Deggs post game on Saturday, Sunday, not Saturday. He used the term generous. You pitch really well, then you get generous coming out the pin. You walk a couple, you fall behind 3 1. And some of those same guys have been awesome. We've got to throw strikes out the pin. You can't average, you know, six walks per nine as a reliever. And we got a lot of guys like that. Very inconsistent throwing strikes, not stuff. That's got to get fixed this weekend. And honestly, we had holes, Scott. You know, if you move Rockefeller to the outfield, first base hadn't got a lot done. You know, um, but we have guys coming. So the exciting thing for me is this. Kyle DeBars looks like he's getting on time. Mm -hmm. Smooth defense, he's getting on time at the plate. Connor Kempel is not the player of the week from week one. But he is going to be a 45-50 RBI guy who's going to hit 290. Rocco, assume if he can keep his within himself and sometimes use the whole field, he'll continue to do what he's doing. He'll drive in 60 runs this year. It'll be impressive. But Tyler Robinson, do better at bats. He's got to come out of it. Keith Hood, with Marshawk out, Keith Hood started coming around. He's got to come out of it. Well, come around, he's first-year guy. Bobby Lede really hasn't done anything, so we've had a hole at second base. So think about this. When Rocco goes to the outfield, the right side of our infield has been a hole. Julian Brock had the best weekend of his life, and every, even his outs until his last two at-bats were line drives. So really good weekend there. My point is, if Robinson comes around and Hood keeps coming around, where they did this past weekend, and Julian keeps hitting, now you're going to start getting some depth in the lineup, and we have two holes we just got to get filled. And so far, nobody's stepped up in and I'm telling you, Bobby Lede is such a good athlete. It's there. But, you know, the strength of this team to me has been defense. 
and when the pitchers are throwing strikes. So this weekend, that's why I say it's a boring answer. you got to throw strikes out the pin, and you need some guys to continue the progress we've seen over the last five games. And if you do that, heading into a very good Troy team, you're going to be okay. Problem is, look, this week hurt. We had plenty of arms to throw. This week hurt not playing. So if anybody's wondering why, you don't want to play a doubleheader Saturday because now your conference Friday starter is on one day less rest. And you haven't played all week. So they really need to get this game in. That's why 3 o'clock they moved it up. Cajun softball at 4 today in the first of their weekend series as they begin Sunbelt play against Georgia State. Before we let you run, Brad, LSU over in Baton Rouge, they're playing at noon today. Uh, They moved their game up as well. You know, I haven't seen a ton of LSU this year. I know they got a... um, you know, a win against Oklahoma at Minute Maid last week in the Shriners Classic. They lost to Baylor. Uh, they lost to number one Texas. And that was a big big win by Texas State this week, by the way. It was a midweek game, but still, to beat Texas, it was good to see them all fired up. You know, you look at LSU's schedule, it's, I, know they're, I know they're ranked, you know, um, 16th now in the country. Uh, they got Bethune-Cookman this weekend. They're ten and three. You look at who they've beaten, who they've played, when they've had tougher competition. What do you make of LSU? I, I, my, I guess my point is, having only seen them play once, a little bit on TV, I'm just looking at box scores, and I, 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 it feels like this team has a high ceiling, but also has a long way to go to reach it. Is that fair to say? So here's the thing: they have the as high ceiling as I've seen in, as a hitting team in LSU since they stopped loading the bats up. All right, since the ball, that's changed. Their defense made nine errors this weekend. And of those nine, five of them are routine plays. That's a major problem. You've got a guy, your outfield's good. The problem is a lot like Cajun, Cajun. Their outfield's loaded. K. Doty should be a third base or in left field. Instead, he's at second base. They can't, they've got as many errors as double plays turned. The second worst defense in the SEC has 14 errors. They have 26 errors. LSU's schedule is a joke to this. And again, I'm not knocking it in that way. It's the SEC. I know it's coming. Half of our conference schedule is a joke. None of their conference schedule is a joke. You know, so I'm not being critical. But they haven't played. They've played four teams that are considered top 100. They're one in three. And in those four games, they made 14 errors. You're not going to win like that. So defense is a problem. And here's the other thing, and this is pretty big. You're missing a, um, a day two and a day three starter. Their middle relief, the back of their bullpen, are all really good. Their Friday night guy, Blake Money, he's big time. The problem is you're putting those really talented guys that are going to throw the sixth, seventh, and eighth for you, you're putting them as starters. Now those high-leverage sixth, seventh, and eighth guys are now guys that should be eighth, ninth, tenth in your pin. You know what I mean? They're missing – If they had one more starter, one legit six-inning starter, I would be very excited about this team. But as it is right now, you could go into the SEC and lose games 10-8, to to 10-9 every Saturday. And then Sunday could be even worse. So that's the real issue. Second and third starting pitcher is a real deficit for them. And their defense has been bad, led by the shortstop, Jordan Thompson, who was supposed to be a returning guy. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Um, college baseball, got college hoops happening, big day. Uh, a lot of teams in the state in action today. I mean, not just LSU, Arkansas, but the great, basically the greatest NAI school of all time, Loyola, uh, is in action in postseason play today. 
<laughs> against the, the trash. How about number? How about numero sorry, no, uno. I, I saw some trash. I, I saw some trash. I had to pick up. I'm so sorry. I saw some trash. I had to pick up. Tulane versus Temple. UNO versus Southeastern. So. Plenty of hoops for you. You got college baseball and softball early on the docket tonight, and then of course this weekend. Uh, and I imagine with this cold weather, uh, one more big cold front, Brad. You're probably cooking what, like a thousand pounds of gumbo this weekend at Jambalaya Shop. What's going on over there? Well, we got plenty of gumbo, but today being Friday, I've, I was throwing out twenty pounds of shrimp to get the shrimp jambalaya going. Which, even though we're playing at three, will still be at baseball, and we will still have the shrimp jambalaya. So, got it. and that's like I said, that's my most different thing because it's got a red sauce. And you know, being south of the lake, bro, we don't do a lot of red sauce around here. Where did that? Where did that come from? That little, little, little accent you just What's threw that? in there. That fake, that fake voice you just threw in there. Man, look, that ain't fake. I try to get rid of a lot of that stuff. Well, I'm from Bayou Vista. We a friendly place to live. We have accents down there. I just try to get rid of it for you, you highfalutin Lafayette people, because y'all bougie. Highfalutin. You know, I've been here for. Yeah, I've been here for thirty years. So yeah, I don't know you, about you're that. you're a resident. What do you mean, <laughs> highfalutin? That's another new one right there. Top man, I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll be listening to you, NJ, today. Two thirty pregame today. New Star ninety six five KPL Rage of Cajun Baseball against the Houston Cougars. The first of three this weekend. Appreciate the time, man, and uh, let's talk again soon. Hey, real quick, shout out for your boy Jay Walker. He made it. He slipped it to me. Do you know Jay has been in radio for fifty years? Yes. Five zero. February thirteenth, I think, was his anniversary. Well, I mean, me whenever you're ninety seven, I mean, he got he got into it. Whenever, okay, see, you went there. See, I was being he got into it whenever he was guy. in his late forties. <sighs> I mean, so Scott, shout out to him. Come on, man. Long time to you're, get into be, it. Be more Christian. <laughs> all right, all right. No, you're right. He got it. He got into it when he was in his 30s. He's only in his 80s now. So, yeah. Shout out, Jay Walker. I'm done. I'm done. Bye, Brad. You you deal with that. All right, later. You know, again, the Rangers engage in baseball. Shout out, Jay. The opinionated, diverse bird man, Mister ODB. When we come back, we're going to open up phone lines three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Number of emails to get through that I've gotten today, including a few about the Saints and the contract restructuring of Alvin Kamara. What's the point? Why do it? It's obvious. And the future home of one Teron Armstead and Tyron Matthew. Might might the Honey Badger be coming back to New Orleans? What an offer might look like. Ultimately, where is he likely to go? I will tell you next, right here. On the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Now, 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. You're listening via the stream. That's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Plus, we're going to open up phone lines 337 269 1077. Give me a shout. We'll be right back right after this. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.
Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Friday. Yeah, you got. From free agency to bracketology to college baseball and softball, it is going to be a very, very busy weekend. Very busy weekend. And as far as the bubble watch goes, you know, you got teams on the bubble. Wyoming, Wake Forest, Xavier, Indiana, SMU, Dayton, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, VCU, Notre Dame, Rutgers. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get through the emails today. Derek emails. Scott, do you think Georgia State will be a 15 seed or 16 seed or somewhere else? Um, I was thinking that they might be a 16, but with their record, looking at some of the automatic qualifiers who have won their tournaments to this point, uh, I think they would be higher than Long Beach State and Norfolk State and Nichols and Alcorn and Bryant and Wright State. And I know, you know, some of those will probably have to be plans, but I think Georgia State will probably be a 15 seed. Probably so. Um, Carl emails. He says, Scott, you said if LSU beats Arkansas, they'll improve their seed. Where is their seed if they lose? It's it's probably six, maybe a five. Maybe a five. That's where the Tigers are going to be. Now, if they make a run in the SEC tournament, I think it'll be considerably higher. But right now, I would say they're probably a five. Got some more emails to get into as far as where Honey Badger will be. Officially next week, Teron Armstead as well. We'll get into that. But as I mentioned, phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Happy Friday. What's up? Yeah, I was listening. I was listening to your interview with uh, Top. And uh, I agree with him. And I'm glad this uh, this situation, this lockdown is over because the local coverage, I'm not saying so much you. I heard you talk speak on it last week you kind of broke some things down but to hear you know what argument i hate oh billionaires arguing with millionaires technically <laughs> you know what i'm saying the average salary is not even a million in the league so i, I hate those talking points man and to me it makes sports talk weak like the, the same thing instead of breaking down the situation why are, why the owners are locking them out why, what the players want you know what i'm saying it's just that that's whole Come on, what? They're, they're, like, come on, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let give us something. Talk if about you. It. If you made a dollar a second, if you made a dollar a second, it would take you 12 days to make a million dollars. If you made a dollar a second, it would take you 31 years to make a billion dollars. So, in addition to that, just being a, a lame way to just throw out having to discuss it. I love how it's like millionaires versus billionaires. Like there's not an astronomical difference either. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, and not every baseball player is a millionaire either, but let's, 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 let's get into the meat and potatoes of it instead of, oh, well, what's the big deal? It's just a bunch of wealth. Yeah, it's not. That's, that's, let me tell you something. The grind of getting into Major League Baseball, if you just get there and then you're on a minimum, it, it is, um, I don't know. It's 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 much deeper than what many believe it to be on the surface, I think. Hey, let me 
ask you this. this. This is one thing about baseball I never like. Um, let's say a player is 19 years old, right? I'm not talking about the whole call-up thing, you know, wait till May or whatever. But the whole arbitration thing, I never liked that. A player 19, 20, and it's like he can't become a free agent until seven, eight years later? Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's an issue. Now, did they did they? Have, I didn't see the details. I didn't read that. I haven't I yet. haven't read every single thing yet, but I didn't. I haven't seen anything about a change in arbitration. I haven't read the whole. I haven't not well, read I, the I entire think, yeah, CBA right. yet. Right but yeah, I could be. Look, maybe uh, there I is, but I feel like if there was a big change there, that would probably be one of the. I've only read the headlines. I haven't I mean, because the whole thing is many many pages, which I, you know, need to carve out time to read, but um. But yeah, I, I feel like if there was a big change there, we'd probably see it in, in, in a lot of the outlines. Yeah, um, I like the I like that I like that situation where a young player can win an award, major award. Uh, I like that, that situation where they can go into arbitration. Um, didn't he say something like that? Like if a player like they had a pitcher won a Cy Young award, he can get basically compensated. He doesn't have to wait right, years right. later. Yeah, um, and that's and that's how it should be. I mean. You know, I, I just I think there was some things in there about service time manipulation, which was yeah. which was yeah. really you know full year of service time to players who are in the top two in their rookie of the year voting. You know, so if you come in a little late, that helps you out there. I think that's what you're referencing, and you know, like teams were were in terms of optioning eligible players more than five times. They were just owners were using the the loopholes in the system to try to keep players under a salary for longer than they, you know, probably would otherwise. All right. In other words, long story short, they'll say, well, we're going to bring this guy up a little bit later. Even though he'd help us more now, we're going to get guaranteed an extra year of him under this salary before he can hit free agency. So we're going to do it that way. They put a few rules in this new CBA to avoid that, which is, you know, anytime someone's manipulating the system, I don't even blame them. I mean, it's it's in there. You, the sides are going to do whatever's best for them, but some changes had to be made there. Also, um, the thing with baseball, man, you have major league teams that basically minor league teams. You know, they just in there operating, just just you know, they're trying to get a profit. They're not even trying to put a team out there on the field. That's an issue. You, you know what I'm saying? I think they went after that, right? Well, you got teams like the Orioles. Budget forty, fifty million dollars. While another team might have a budget of hundred, hundred and forty, hundred and fifty. They'll have a budget with three players yeah. making more than that whole team is making. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Baseball always kind of worked that way. Um, yeah, that's all I had to add. I'm glad it's over. And, and, and hey, I kind of agree with Top um, when he brought up Jackie Robinson. Because to me personally, that's what uh, made them get back to work in '95. Can you imagine if they would have started the '95 season? And Cal Ripken's streak would have ended on opening day, like with, with replacement players. That would have like, been. You know what I'm saying? I think they they would have never. They like would have never had that moment. You're right. They would have never had that moment, which was a big one for baseball. Um, yeah, I know it's a little bit different because Jackie Robinson is no longer here, and it's just a, it's just an, an event. You know, something that took place. It's not like the situation with Cal Ripken was a little bit different. You know, because he was an active player. Yeah, but baseball but I guess, needs. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I feel you. But um, that's all I have to add. I'm kind of glad that situation. Hey, man, Khalil Mack for the Chargers. I'm going to hear your thoughts on that, and uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Khalil Mack traded to uh, the Chargers. I think Khalil Mack, with healthy, is still a really good player. So I'm not saying he's not. 
I'm to be clear, I am not suggesting that Khalil Mack is not still good. I think his I think his reputation is stronger than his current play. Like people still think Khalil Mack is the guy from a few years ago, and 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 the truth is his play his play has dipped. It has, and he's missed time with injury. I think Khalil Mack going to a place where, you know, he's not supposed to be the guy all the time could help. You know, Staley, the the Chargers head coach, was his linebackers coach in 2018. So there's a connection there. And that was back when Mack, I think it was his first year in Chicago, and he was just, you know, I think he was runner-up for defensive player. He was great. He was great. But Mack hasn't really been that guy the last two seasons. And he has a ton of money left, three years left on his deal. It's definitely going to help the Chargers a lot, and people keep thinking of the one-two punch of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. And when healthy, both of those guys will be a giant force. And you're going to need them playing in the AFC West. But I just... Both of those guys, you know, you're kind of injury-prone. Are they going to be on... I. Don't I? I am expecting there to be several games next year in LA where neither of those guys are suited up. So we'll see. We'll see. When healthy, look out. Look out. As far as free agency goes, in terms of Teron Matthew, the Saints are, I think, going to make a run. I think Marcus Williams is probably gone, and I think a deal would probably look something like three years, forty mil, maybe twenty-seven mil guaranteed couple avoidable years it'll be three years but you know it might read as a four or five year deal and then they'll avoid some to make it all happen for the cap gets to come back to his hometown but i think he's probably going back to the chiefs i do chiefs may not be able to offer him as long of a deal i don't He's he just fits in Robert Salas defense, maybe the Jets, but I just don't see him wanting to go to the Jets. Playing for Super Bowls, I don't know. It's either the Chiefs or the Saints. I don't see him in it up elsewhere. As far as Armstead, he's going to I think he's going to Miami. Look at what Mike McDaniel did in San Francisco as the OC with Trent Williams. A great tackle who has dealt with injuries and then got a giant deal the injuries didn't prevent him from getting a big old contract in a run heavy scheme look at what he did look at what theron armstead when healthy could do in a mike mcdaniel's offense he would absolutely thrive they need him they're gonna offer him a big contract so yeah the saints the best the saints could do is probably like two years 39 mil not even 20 mil guaranteed. They're not going to be the highest bidders for him. Will he just want to stay put where he's comfortable, what he knows, where he's a captain, where he's going to be a future Saints Hall of Famer, not NFL Hall of Famer? That's all fine and dandy, but when the Dolphins come and offer you, you know, a four year, $90 million deal with like 60 to 65 mil guaranteed, come on. He's going to Miami. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Great weekend. 
Reminder, Rage of Cajun softball on our airwaves today. Four o'clock pregame, three, uh, four o'clock first pitch, 345 pregame. So we probably won't have a local show in the three o'clock hour today because of that. We'll uh, have national up until pregame. Rage of Cajun baseball over on News Talk 96.5 KPL, three o'clock, 2.30 pregame. And we're less than a week away this Thursday, St. Paddy's Day, March 17th, Park International, sponsored by Bud Light, Next Nago Auto Insurance. It is Patty in the park. Clay Corbier, Wayne Tubes, Rob Bass, Quad City DJs, Tone Loke. It is awesome. What a lineup. $20 tickets. Get them now at any Legends locations or at eventbrite.com. It's going to be 25 day of, $20 in advance. Kids 12 and under get in free. Be selling food in there. That's sponsored by La Pizzeria. A photo, a photo booth in there sponsored by JT Mellick. Designated driver booth sponsored by Service Chevrolet going to be throwing out t-shirts i got some espn lafayette patty in the park t-shirts i'm going to be there tossing them all our t-shirt sponsors city bar timberline emily bad on graphics plus ldd concept superior cleaning and net serang with all state it's going to be great blarney stone as well sponsored by armentar jewelers are you feeling lucky armentar tour jewelers will be handing out a blarney stone cards there come on Bring yours into Armentor Jewelers. You could be the winner of a $1,000 shopping spree over there. So we're going to be having giveaways, food, drink, amazing lineup party. Patty in the Park, St. Patty's Day. It's coming up Thursday. I can't wait. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. The Dan Patrick Show is next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.